traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Welcome equestrians of all breeds and all countries. This is Scott Miller, International Equine Network. On today's program, we're going to have um, uh, some call-ins from uh, people from the art industry. Uh, and we're going to talk with them a little bit about uh, how important of a role that the art industry plays uh, in the horse industry. So we'll be going to that here in about 15 minutes. And um, the thing that uh, I like about um, the art industry, and as we've always talked to you about um, at International Equine Network, the support industries that go along with the horse industries, there's just more than you know, racing or showing or, or selling, you know, horses. And there's so many support um, things that go into our industry that um, people really don't think about. And one of them is, is art. Um, throughout the, uh, the years, uh, the horse has played a significant role in the agricultural industry as well as the day-to-day lives of uh of a lot of people that uh, used horses uh, for transportation and and for working and things of that nature, and and so now in the modern days uh, we use the horse uh, mainly for entertainment. And uh, when I say entertainment, I mean like uh, you know racing and uh, horse shows and horse sales and uh, you know that type of thing. And uh, art is a form of uh, uh, still entertainment. Um, you know, you can go to an art gallery and take a look and, and see all the different um, equestrian pieces that they have there. And, and it not only leads into, uh, you know, from art but uh, and paintings and so forth, it leads into sculptures and, and things of that nature. So we'll be getting into that here in a little bit. But, um, again, uh, like I said, there's so many support industries that, that surround the horse industry and people don't um, really think about uh, you know, what, what the horse industry means to it. It's a billion dollar industry just about in every state. Um, you know, when, when the horse people come into, um, into your state or to your community, uh, you're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars that are being brought in that are being spent at, um, you know, your local Walmarts, Burger Kings, hotels, um, you know, gasoline stations, uh, you know, that type of thing, housing, um, there's a lot of horsemen that'll go to an area. Well, take for example, like they do here in in South Florida. Um, we're here at Sunshine Meadows uh, Equestrian Village in Delray Beach, Florida, and uh, we have a significant amount of RV and tiny houses uh, that are available uh, to horsemen when they come down every year. And uh, it's just amazing how how that support industry you know, makes it easier for them. And, and uh, you know, they're right here on property, uh, right close to the barn. They get in a golf cart and they're at their barn in, you know, two minutes time. And, and that's one of the things that, that we uh, are lucky here to have uh, Brandon Mills, the general manager. Um, he's created these tiny houses in which I live in one. And it's just amazing how convenient and how easy it is uh, that, that when you're seven days a week in the horse industry. And uh, we have all types of uh, tiny houses, small ones, large ones, RVs we have here. You know, and that, that's considered a support industry of the horse industry. And all those people that, um, you know, that are here, 
they're out shopping and they're going about in the community doing things and going to restaurants and running to the beach and everything. And so it's very important to have a good support uh, system set up for, you know, wherever you're, you're going for uh, your equestrian, you know, uh, projects that you might have. Um, one of the support industries that we have and which sponsors are here with us is called SHIP, S-H-I-P-T dot com. And um, what they do is they deliver. And uh, they have a one-time fee uh, a year. It's anywhere, it ranges anywhere between 49 and $99 a year. And um, if you, so long as you spend $35 or more on each of your orders, um, it's a free delivery. And when I when I say orders, uh, you know we're talking about um, uh, stores like uh, Target, Winn Dixie, uh, Publix, uh, CVS Pharmacy, uh, uh, Whole Foods, uh, you know Costco. Um, we're talking about uh, Office Depot, all the things that you need to make your life a little easier uh, is at ship. And they deliver right to the farm, to your apartment, your condo, your RV, your tiny house, or the showgrounds. And this is nationwide. And all you have to do is put in your zip code and at uh, ship.com, and that'll tell you what stores are available. And it makes it a lot easier because if you can save a little time and a little gas money, uh, you can put more time into uh, – you know, your equine business or to spend a little more time with your family, um, you know, when, when you're working seven days a week. And so, so that's good. And that, again, that's another thing that we talk about as a support industry that, that's there for us. Um, the other uh, one of the other support industries that we have here is uh, kayak.com uh, 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 to help you get a horse transport or uh, housing, transportation, uh, you know, that type of thing. Uh, your horses get transported uh, by people like Brookledge and Sally and Tim Duda um, Airlines and, um, you know, all the different ones that we have there. It's just so many support industries that it just blows your mind uh, when you sit down and just start, you know, penciling in, you know, what is the support industry for the uh, for the horse business. And that's why it's so important to us here in South Florida. Um, we've become uh, more of a year-round uh, equestrian uh, venue in South Florida, uh, where it used to be pretty much seasonal uh, from September until May. And now you're starting to see a lot of things like um, the World Equestrian Festival uh, out at Wellington West. Uh, they're having shows all during during the summer now. Uh, and and it, it really makes it important because we have all those support areas to uh, sustain a uh, horse industry here. And I, I'm excited about um, uh, what we do here at Sunshine Meadows. Uh, they've got a reputation for being the home of past, present, and future champions. And it's just amazing some of the horse people that we have here of all breeds. Um, we have Florida Atlantic University have their show horse team that's here. Um, we have AQHA uh, Hall of Famers that are here. Uh, we, it's just amazing uh, that what you get into and see. And one of these days, we're going to get uh, Brandon Mills, our general manager, on the show. Um, his parents are Hall of Famers from AQHA. Uh, Brandon was a uh, bullfighter uh, in his rodeo days. He survived those, and now he's our general manager out here. And uh, he's doing a heck of a job here with it. 
but um, it makes uh, it makes it tough on him uh, when he doesn't have all the support things that we need, like John Deere. Uh, John Deere is really good on servicing our equipment. Again, there you go. It, it's a support industry. Uh, from weed eaters to the, to the tractors that we use here, John Deere is getting us uh, through each day. And, um, you know, I can't just emphasize enough uh, how much the support industry to the horse industry means uh, to er- everybody here, uh, you know, so that they can do their jobs and en- enjoy what they're doing. But um, uh, we're going to start talking here uh, about uh, another support industry, you might say, it's called the Art of Racing. Uh, it's an, the Art of Racing contest to honor the Preakness Stakes in, in uh, Pimlico and Baltimore, Maryland. Um, what they've done is they've gone out into the community, and uh, uh, they have a, a great uh, project going. Um, it's, uh, it's the first, and uh, the Maryland Jockey Club has partnered with Maryland Institute College of Art. Uh, it's called MICA to launch the Art of Racing, a unique art competition to honor the second jewel of the Triple Crown Series uh, and its impact on Baltimore. Established more than four decades ago, the relationship between the Maryland Jockey Club and MICA takes a step forward uh, with this community-wide call for entries of original, two-dimensional visual art and that depicts the unique elements of the thoroughbred horse racing and the legendary Preakness Stakes. And so uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of great uh, pieces there uh, from it. Uh, from today's launch until the submission of the deadline on March 1st, 2022, artists may submit their entries at www.preakness.com backslash the art of racing. Um, after which all the submissions will be available to public viewing uh, from March 2nd through March 20th. Um, visitors of the Art Racing uh, website can cast their votes for their favorite wor- uh, work of art. Uh, the top vote getters will then be entered into the final finalist category with the winning piece selected by the esteemed panel of judges representing the artistic business philanthropic and political communities that allow Park Heights to thrive uh, as the home of the 147th Greekness. So what they're doing is they're taking local people and they're, they're bringing them in and uh, they're going to have their their art display. Uh, it's just going to be a, a great, uh, you know, three weeks there to go see these. And again, when you go out to see these support activities such as this at Pimlico, it's free. It's free to go to. And, uh, you know, nowadays the way the economy is and everything, if you can do something for free, uh, you know, you, you've hit a home run there. And that's what I like about what they're doing at, at Pimlico. Uh, you know, they're, they're getting the, uh, uh, artists recognized, uh, uh, some established art, artists and some young artists that'll be, be there, uh, you know, to see, um, uh, see how, how well they depict the, uh, horse industry. And uh, it, it's going to be an exciting week at Pimlico. And just about every track um, that you go to, every horse show venue, every sales, uh, they all have some type of uh, historical, um, you know, department uh, there, whether it's a museum, uh, uh, you know, or an art gallery or, uh, you know, what have you. 
because it's such an important part of our society, and it's a, it's a quiet part of our society um, that nobody really knows about because the horse industry for years has pretty much been self-contained. Uh, not much advertising. Uh, they've just kind of uh, have taken it along step by step and, you know, um, really haven't uh, promoted it or marketed it because of the cost. Uh, it's a very uh, um, expensive to market things, but now uh, with the uh, people that are coming into the industry, the new people that are coming into the industry and the younger people, uh, it's made it a, a great uh, a great avenue for uh, marketing companies to get out. And now they've got to create all kinds of, uh, I, I hate using the word gimmick, but gimmick to get people in. And one of the things that... Um, you know, Pimlico is doing, and even though they pack the place for the Preakness and Preakness Week uh, every year, uh, the second leg of the Triple Crown, now they have something that's coming in, in into play in March, and that will be getting people out to Pimlico, get them used to the surroundings and facilities, and seeing a, a nice art show that's for free. And uh, same, same thing that they're uh, doing like in Kentucky. Uh, for the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Derby Festival is ten days long. Um, they've got boat races, they've got balloon races, uh, you know, they got uh, food competitions, uh, they got a parade, um, you name it. They they've got it there, Derby Week, and uh, you don't have to go to the Derby, but you can go up and enjoy the uh, enjoy the week uh, long festival, the Pegasus Festival that it's called, and it's really um, you know it's something to see. And during those 10 days uh, in the first uh, uh, last week of April and the first week of May um, that you have the Derby Festival, down in Lexington, uh, you have uh, the three-day eventing, uh, which is really fantastic. Um, it's uh, three days long, and you have um, cross-country, uh, uh, you have uh, dressage, and you have show jumping. And you have some of the best horses in the world coming down for the three-day Rolex at Lexington. And um, what I like about it is you can go one day or you can go all three days. And uh, they get over 100,000 people there in three days to uh, to view, uh, you know, this, this uh, event. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, also, uh, that last week of April, have live racing at Keeneland. And then uh, the first week um, in uh, May, uh, racing starts at uh, Churchill Downs. So, you know, you can spend, um, you know, a two-week time there and do any and everything in the horse business. Uh, you can go to the horse farms, um, you know, and take tours of them, uh, take tours of Lexington and Louisville. And it's just uh, unbelievable, you know, the things that you can do in the horse business. But, again, it goes back to a lot of things that uh, we've talked about over the years, uh, um, you know, about the support industry. Um, instead of just having a uh, horse racing on Saturday, uh, it's gone from Saturdays to three or four days a week. Um, some places like in Pennsylvania, they'll go sometimes five and six days a week. Uh, but it's all adds to, to the community surroundings there. And, uh, like we, we used to not race at Gulfstream here in Florida, uh, year round, but now we do. Uh, we had, um, uh, Calder racetrack, um, uh, his, uh, uh, yielded to uh, a modern uh, request of casinos, houses, apartments, restaurants, and uh, 
Now what, what they do is they switched over to Gulfstream, so Gulfstream races year-round. And what they did is uh, they expanded and they made it better. They made uh, a shopping mall there. They've got a casino there. They've got uh, restaurants there. And it's just amazing what all they do. And again, to show you how the support industry works, um, our Palm Beach Downs uh, training facility where uh, Todd Pletcher, the nation's top trainer, trains all his horses in the wintertime, he can now race at Gulfstream year-round. And so what happens is he'll take a group of horses and he'll go back up north with them in the spring. And then uh, a lot of times uh, Todd and a lot of the other trainers will leave um, horses here in South Florida. And so that that's kind of exciting, you know, to see that happen, uh, you know. And, and it does the same thing with the standard bread industry. Uh, they come down here to break their babies and get them used to going and get them ready to roll, um, you know, here in uh in South Florida, and then in the spring they go back up north, and and uh, they go to Canada, and they go to New York and Pennsylvania and Kentucky to uh, do what they do. And, and the same thing with the show horse circuit; um, it's all across the country, and and we even have horses that go over to Europe, uh, you know, to uh, show in Europe. And it's just a, a, a okay, and, and and we're okay with all these support every things that come in here to. Uh, uh, you know, do what we do. And now we're going to uh, talk with Debbie. Uh, she is the, uh, our expert in equine art, and uh, we'd like to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Debbie. Hi. How are you, Scott? Thank you for having us on the show and giving us the opportunity to talk about what's going on out at Sunshine Meadows with the arts. Oh, oh good. I was so excited uh the the last uh, little art get together that you had here and uh one of the things that I wanted to uh thank you for is um all the uh people that set up their easels and you know got all their little displays set up I had a couple of the riders come up to me and tell me that um you know I was kind of concerned about uh, you know the horses spooking at you know all the activity that was going on and a couple of the riders said you know no said they they appreciated that because those are the kind of things that they see at horse shows and it kind of schools them, get some used to it in their own home backyard, you know, for it and everything. So how, how did you guys uh, rate your uh, visit with us out here at the last show? Well, I think everybody's been very excited. And as you know, we've been doing a lot of plein air painting out at Sunshine Meadows, several areas, and now we're very excited to be able to come to the world-class harness racers, jumpers, and dressage activities and paint those, all of the, all of the yeah. artists are, are super excited about that. And, and have, has it been productive for them? Uh, um, are they uh, able to sell paintings and, and uh, maybe get commissions to, you know, do paintings and that type of thing? Yeah, sure. It's been very um, productive. The first equestrian art show that was held on January 8th, which was noon to 2, uh, the plein air artists exhibited their recent you know, paintings that they did alongside with equestrian photographers, sculptures, and artisans. And um, several of the painters actually got uh, commissions for portraits of the owner's horses. So that was really fantastic. And then one of the artists who is very unique, he demonstrates forging techniques to make sculpture and jewelry from horseshoes and horseshoe nails. 
he did quite a bit of business with the um, people that were there attending and experienced the event itself. It was it was fun all around. I think everybody really enjoyed themselves. Um, being out in that environment, meeting the people who were at the Sunshine Meadows Equestrian Village are super, super nice. And like you said, there were, people were kind of coming by where the artwork was set up, admiring and looking at it, and their horses were maybe like, wait, I'm not sure about that. It's there, but the writers were saying just that you got to get used to it, honey. So let's go by. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Now let me ask you: uh, when you come out, I've noticed that you've had several of the artists have come out here, you know, uh, at various times, and, and they sit down and they start sketching and and drawing and taking photographs and everything. Approximately, how long does it take them to get a painting completed? Well, um, we try to do like four or five-hour sessions out at Sunshine Meadows or wherever these painter artists paint because Mm -hmm. that's a good time frame to establish something. Um, But a lot of artists like to get reference shots as well because, as you know, the light changes. uh, you're you're, You're painting in plain air, which means you're painting outdoors. So you never know what conditions might come up. So they love the reference shots as well as capturing what is there and being the excitement of what's happening and around them in that environment. Um, They're very, very talented. They've been doing this type of work for years, and they do it all over the country. So, you know, they're kind of used to it, but I think what a lot of them do do is capture most of it at the events or at the places that they paint throughout the country in, in South Florida. And then they may go home and finish it up and fix it up. But they do have several plein air competitions where they do paint out for four hours or even shorter than that. And then they exhibit their artwork right away for people to come and look at the exhibit of all the artworks as well as, you know, buying the artwork. So they're very successful painters. And we're very pleased to have this caliber of professional plein air painters along with other artists, like I said, that contributed to our um, sessions and to our event, which was um, world-renowned photographers, sculptors who have done horse uh, sculpting, um, and as I said, I think our very special, very unique person that's out there, actually, artist that's actually out there doing um, a demonstration with forging, which, you know, that's that gets everybody excited. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Everybody was excited about it when you were here. In fact, uh, upon uh, IENTV.org, if you scroll down to International Equine Report, we have a video uh, that um, I believe it was Ralph that took. And uh, it's uh, a few minutes long, and it kind of captured everything. Kind of captured everything. Yeah, Ralph is amazing with doing, Ralph's amazing with doing his video. Um, he right. does it everywhere he goes, and he's great at editing it and getting everybody included and really capturing right. the moment and the fun and the pr- productivity that happens. Right. Well, uh, Ralph is with us now, um, and yeah. Ralph, we're glad to have you with us. And uh, you did a great job on the video and everything. Oh, and, thank um, you. And do, you, do, you, do you paint, too, or do you just video? 
Oh, no, I paint, too. And the videos are just to more or less document what the paintings are about. <laughs> right, right. Now, how, how long have you been involved with uh, the equine industry? Well, actually, uh, not so much involved. I, I, as a kid, I used to take care of the horses out in Montauk at the stable out there that yeah, and I and I just had a love for horses. So every time I get an opportunity to be at a place where there's horses, I get involved. And I think there's just a great linkage between art and the equestrian life, and and the beautiful, oh. magnificent horses. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right about that. Because like I was saying earlier, it, it's a part of our society. Um, you know, years ago it was a very important part. Now it's. Uh, you know, uh, an important part of it in a different way, and, and that's through, you know, financial uh, uh, stability for communities and everything. So now do you uh, uh, put together or do you have a website that we can look at these uh, videos on? Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, Debbie Coles, the Bay, and I were sort of co-chairing our involvement with the plein air artists who go out on location uh, with uh, – you know, the events that are going on at Sunshine Meadows. So my, I have a website called papagallery.com, and we have a dedicated uh, web page for Sunshine Meadows, the equestrian and landscapes of, like, old Florida. And I invite, uh, Debbie and I both invite some of the top artists in the South Florida to come paint with us because they're always looking for opportunities to paint uh, old Florida landscapes as well as the horses in in action, you know, which is really a, a challenge. Right, right. And I just now, want to yeah, add when you to that a when you <laughs> Debbie, Debbie let me ask you I this, and same, yeah, same for you, Ralph. Do you do, do any uh, history on the horses that you're painting, or, or do you find out the names of the horses that you're painting, or you, do you just paint them? Uh, no, it's well, just I, out in I, general. Oh, go, go ahead, Debbie. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say probably what um, the two of us, we found that most of all the artists are very very connected with the people who have horses that are out there. And the same, they're very interested in what we're doing, and they're very interested, and in, and the plainer painters are interested in what they're doing. So it's kind of fun to have this connection and exchange and kind of capture the personality and the activities that are happening live, which doesn't happen often, you know, in many other situations. So it's kind of a coexisting, and as you said before, it's a perfect connection between art and equestrian community. It just matches very well. And, yes, um, many times the artists will share their finished commissions, let's say, and whether or not the owners want to have their information published or not is up to them. But typically, they do share, and we do try to promote everybody so that it's a win-win situation for everybody involved. Right. Now, now yes. Ralph, let me ask you, do you guys have any uh, public shows that you have? Do you go to, like, to any malls or uh, any racetracks and display your artwork? Uh, yes, uh, we do, and uh, we're going to be setting up some that are rather specific during the year, like particularly for the equestrian. You know, we're going to try and 
work with you guys as well as we have a few galleries and locations that we're going to try and have shows on, uh, particularly focusing on the equestrian uh, works that have been done. You know what, Ralph? Uh, the and reason I, was I was here that... yesterday. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I said the reason. Um, the reason we were just talking yesterday about just that is expanding where we can bring the um, artworks that are created at this equestrian um, opportunity here at Sunshine Meadows, and where we can bring more ex- exhibits for um, you know for everybody to participate in. But I don't. I don't want to leave without mentioning that the next event will be held Saturday, March 12th, noon to two. So we're hoping that we can invite the community and anybody and everybody and open to the public because I guess the Sunshine Meadows uh, Village is not typically open to the public. So we welcome everybody to come, and you'll see live painting, foraging, Polaroid Instagrams for our photographer, and lots of fun times and a lot of great. Um, connections. Oh, great, great. Now, uh, that's uh, on the, on, did you say uh, the 12th coming up? March 12th. March, March 12th, right, right. Oh. And also that gives everybody a chance to plan for it and everything. Um, the other thing is, speaking of March, uh, uh, that's uh, Florida Derby Month. They have the Fountain of Youth and Florida Derby coming up. And have you ever thought about going to places like uh, Gulfstream to set up your displays on uh, on a, a big stakes weekend? Um, yeah, that was one of the opportunities that Brandon gave to us. So I think, Ralph, you can expand upon that. Yes. Yes. We're, we're, we're anxious to get involved in every opportunity that there is. And just, just to give you, uh, Scott, a little background on plein air painting, uh, I was one of the two co-founders that started it in South Florida. And there's a big movement in the United States for plein air painting, which is basically artists going out and painting live the landscapes and the culture that they're working in, which becomes part of tomorrow's history. So everything that we paint, whether it's the equestrian lifestyle or whether it's just people, somebody's house or somebody's neighborhood by the beach, those paintings have a life of their own that they're part of today's culture, which is part of tomorrow's history. So the opportunity of painting horses is probably more of a challenge than most of the other things that are sort of standing still at the time. Uh, they become historic. So whatever horses that we, we wind up using as our models, we try to find the names of them. We try to find who the owner is. And hopefully the owner would like it enough where they might be interested in purchasing it or getting a commission for it. But each of these works are done in two to three hours on live plein air painting. But all of the artists are capable of doing commission works or portraits of horses as well as portraits of people with horses. Oh, fantastic. That's fantastic. And uh, one thing that uh, we need to do is... uh, uh, we need to get some rodeo uh, uh, paintings in there for Brandon. Uh, him and his family, yes. his family are, are got a uh, fantastic uh, reputation in the uh, in the uh, rodeo and quarter horse industry, and uh, they're just and, really, and really actually, good at what they do. Yeah, Scott, I was going to mention that um, one of our artists, our planner artist, does have and did exhibit a rodeo painting that he had at the last time at the January eighth event. 
And also, one yeah. of our photographers, he really goes all over the country, but mostly to the um, middle of Florida to take rodeo photos. So he's got plenty of those for to share with everybody as well. Right, right. Well, see, there's so, so much that's, that's there, you know, for the artist to do, uh, which is exciting. And, um, you know, uh, to get out and get them displayed. And we certainly, you know, welcome you folks to uh, Sunshine Meadows and uh, anything that we can do to help you, uh, you know, get it, get it going is good. Uh, Brandon's really good about the things that he does here for our clients and for potential clients that we have here and everything. And he, he's quite a busy guy because he manages three farms. And, um, <laughs> yes. you know, it's kind of keeps him going and everything, but he gets the job done every day. You know, and that's what's exciting about it, to see you guys come out here and um, the way he's got everything set up for you. We hope that it's going to be another success like it was on January 8th. Oh, that's great. And, Scott, uh, you mentioned before the website. Uh, uh, Debbie has it, and we'll, we'll make sure we get you the link of it so that you can post it. Okay. But that page has okay, a bunch great. of uh, paintings that the artists did that you can see, including the one of the rodeo that... Uh, you know, one of our okay. artists had done, which is kind of exciting. Okay. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Um, now, how do we contact you folks in order to get information uh, regarding what you do and where you're going? Sure. My name's Debbie Coles Bay. My company is Art News U. And the phone number, if you want to reach me, 561 632 And then Ralph? Yeah, uh, it's Ralph Papa, P-A-P-A, and um, my phone number is 561-374-0837. And the website we have, uh, Debbie will send that to you so you'll have the link, because it's a rather long name, okay. and I want you to get to the right, the right page. Uh, but Debbie okay. will provide Great. that for you. Great. Okay, but well, we'll get that up on yeah, just remember papagallery.com and then Sunshine Meadows Equestrian. Okay, we'll, we'll be sure that we get that up on, on uh, uh, Sunshine Meadows and, uh, uh, you know, your your website and then INT, IENTV will have that up there, you know. And uh, we look forward to doing more projects with you. Uh, appreciate you guys coming out. And, uh, you know, it's all, all part of our, our plan here that we have uh, you know, we're the home of past, present, and future champions. And uh, oh. that includes horses and riders so and trainers. So uh, look forward to and artists. seeing you. At, yeah, and <laughs> artists now. Yeah, and artists. Next thing you know, we'll have, to get, we'll have to get a grand piano in here to play so that we can accommodate all of our clients. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, will, will they accept? Um, will they? Will people accept uh, champagne and a Pepsi cup? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Great. All right. Now there there'll be a food truck. Will there be a food truck? At- uh, yes, we're planning on having one for the next event okay. Saturday on March twelfth. Yes. Okay, that's great. Well, I appreciate you contacting us here and being on the show and look forward to uh, talking to you folks uh, many times, more times down the road. And anything we can do to help, just let us know and we'll be glad to do it. Oh, great. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, thank you. 
Thank you. Well, folks, that that was... Thank you. Uh, That was an interesting piece there. I'll show you what... uh, We got a lot of things going on here at the Sunshine Meadows. Um, You know, that's just more than um, uh, riding and and training horses. Um, It'll be a great day, and that'll be on March uh, the 8th, I believe it is, that uh, we'll we'll be coming up here. We'll have all that information posted here soon. Now we're going to move forward. with uh, it getting late in the season here, uh, all eyes uh, in the thoroughbred industry are focused on uh, the um, Kentucky Derby. And uh, here at IEN, we have a, a documentary and a project that we're working on. It's called How They Get There. And um, basically uh, what it is is that it's about the 2022 Kentucky Derby. And if you go to our, our website um, at org. Uh, you'll see how they get there, the 2022 Kentucky Derby. Um, the journey starts with the owner. Uh, to get to the uh, Derby, you got to have an owner uh, that's willing to step forward and, and uh, either uh, breed or, or buy the horse that's going to get on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And um, it's really a lot of pressure on him uh, to do so because, uh, you know, that's a lot of money that you're investing into the horse and, and seeing where they can go. And um, everything all has to have the owner's approval, which makes it tough for everybody involved because a lot of times his ideas might be a little different and everything. But um, like I said, the journey starts with the owner. And then then the owner has to select a trainer. And and, uh, we have a super trainer uh, on there. Uh, It's part one, and it features Todd Pletcher. And uh, Todd Pletcher, year in and year out, is the top uh, trainer in the country, and he does a little bit of everything. And so uh, when the owner comes to Todd, uh, he says, these are the horses I have. What do you think? Todd gives his opinion, or or whatever trainer the owner selects gives their opinion, and and then they move forward from there uh, of, you know, what they're going to do and how they're going to get there, uh, you know, with this horse. And uh, so then... Uh, you know, again, another decision, that, that's a decision that has to be made by the owner. And then when you get the owner and the trainer together on there, they have to start making decisions uh, together. Um, one of them is uh, equine transportation. Um, you know, uh, what company are they going to use? How are they going to get them, uh, uh, you know, to the Derby and to the different races across the country? Uh, do they fly them? Do they uh, transport them by truck? Uh, you know, how how did they do that? Uh, so uh, that, that's a segment there that's really interesting. And um, in one of the videos, you'll even see me uh, in there when I was flying with Enstone uh, Air Services, uh, loading horses on a plane to take them uh, uh, across the country. Uh, it's quite a, a, an unusual uh, thing that um, uh, that they do. People don't think of horses flying, but they're flying every day in the air in cargo planes that are specially adapted for, uh, you know, for horses or even in uh, domestic flights, uh, you know, like on 747s that uh, have, uh, you know, cargo uh, holes for them. You know, so that, that's a, a decision that all, now, now you got uh, a decision made. So that that's kind of put away to the side uh, because you can, um, you know, you, once you've decided that, you're just a phone call away of getting your horse transported. So that makes it a little easier 
uh, on the owner and the trainer, and it doesn't take up all their time because they're already secured uh, that position uh, in, in how they get there. And then uh, one of the most important things that uh, you can do uh, is uh, make sure that you get your good blacksmith. Um, the hoof inside and out uh, with uh, Steve Norman. Uh, Steve Norman is a good friend of mine. Uh, he um, uh, is one of the best uh, blacksmiths uh, or farriers in the business. He's uh, shot a lot of derby horses, Breeders' Cup winners, and and everything. And the thing that I can say about Steve Norman is, is most trainers and most owners, uh, when they get the blacksmith, they don't tell him how to do how to shoe the horse. They just let him do his thing. Uh, because let's face it, uh, a lot of us have never shot a horse and, um, you know, that, that makes it, uh, a little different, you know, uh, you just let him do his thing and Steve's really good at it, but they go through, um, we'll show you how their, how shoes are put on and, and discuss the problems and things that could arise from it. And so that's, a, that's another decision that, uh, once it's made by the tra- trainer and the owner, that uh, you don't have to worry about it anymore. He's a phone call away to correct any any uh, shoe problems or uh, feet problems that you might have. And then um, a very important thing that uh, comes up that the decision has to be made is the feed. Um, uh, hallway Feed is one of the best feed companies in the world, and um, they have a, a fantastic facility. Uh, how, how they manufacture their feed and they have a staff there that's available to, uh, discuss, uh, your feed problems or your feeding of your horses and, and, uh, you know, to get the proper feed for them and, and, uh, what to do and how to do it. And they can actually mix, uh, these special feeds right there in Kentucky. And the thing that I like about hallway feeds is the fact that they can deliver your feed anywhere in the country or around the world that is that's unbelievable when your horse starts getting feed from hallway feeds you don't have to go anywhere else because you know the feed that he's getting in lexington or south florida or new york or california or or japan or europe he can get it from hallway feed delivered to them and he never gets off his feed and that's something that you never want a horse to do is get off his feet. So consistency is important, and that's why hallway feed is successful in what they do. And then, um, so that, again, is another decision. So now we're looking at, uh, you know, the fourth decision that an owner has to make along with the trainer. And then um, we go back to uh, uh, the equine sales. Uh, does the trainer buy a horse or does he use a homebred? You know, that, that's the important thing is selecting that horse to, um, you know, to potentially run in the Kentucky Derby. And, um, if you go to uh, our equine sales, we have a nice video there. It's behind the scenes at Keeneland Racecourse with myracehorse.com and, uh, which I'm a part of, a small part of, but their, their idea that they have is uh, syndications and, and they're very successful. They've already had Derby winners and, and uh Breeders' Cup winners and uh they're just winning you know right and left the program that they have there. But it kind of gives you an idea of what uh, has to be done if you're gonna go buy a horse and the trainer and uh and the uh owner uh get together and, and this is the things that they think about and look for and, and that's behind the scenes at uh Keeneland uh there. 
Uh, and so now that you've got your horse and you've got all the uh, important factors together and uh, the decisions are uh, being made and, and uh, you've got several decisions that have been made that you just have to make a phone call to correct, which is really good. It, it saves on time and, and uh, effort, you know, to what you're doing. Uh, now, this is this is a, a, a decision um, that uh, the owners and trainers go over day in and day out. And, and with the Kentucky Derby, they have prep races that you have to qualify your horse for the Kentucky Derby and earn points uh, to to get into the Kentucky Derby. And and it's very very uh, uh, interesting to see um, you know where you're going to go with your horse. Um, you know, how are you going to get there? Um, you know, there's, uh, uh, all kinds of races from six furlongs to a mile and an eighth, a mile and three sixteenths. And, and it's scattered over a period of four or five months, um, that you try to get your horse ready. And you don't want to throw them in, uh, with the heavy hitters right off the bat. You just kind of want to school them and bring them along and actually, uh, you know, try to work them up from, uh, you know, maybe a six or seven furlong race to a mile, then to a mile of 16. And then uh, the quality of the races that you run in would be, uh, you know, various uh, races from all over the country. And, uh, you know, that that's one of the things that, that you have to do. And, um, and with the prep races uh, going on uh, just about every weekend now from here until until April, is um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the first race that we're going to look at the prep races that owners and trainers have to think about, uh, you know, getting their horses to earn enough points to get into the Derby. Uh, one of them, uh, was just held uh, recently on February 6th. It's Robert B. Robert B. Lewis, uh, states it's a grade three. Um, it was, uh, at Santa Anita Park in California. It's a $200,000 race for three year olds. And, um, so it, it was an interesting race, uh, you know, that they had there. Um, again, uh, we've talked about this several times on the show before, uh, you like to educate and bring your horse along. And what I liked about this race, um, it, it was a, a five horse, uh, field that they had. And, um, you know, when you have a small field like that, uh, you can pretty much uh, work, uh, your horse, uh, uh, you know, pretty good. Um, the likelihood of him getting trapped on the rail or, you know, parked out wide, um, you know, or, or behind the pack is very little because you have a five horse field. And, um, it was worn, uh, won by Bob Baffert. Uh, Messer is the name of the horse. Uh, he won the race by 15 lengths. And so he's a talented horse, uh, you know, um, that, that Bob has there. And, uh, this horse got in a five horse field and he wins by 15 lengths. Now that's not saying, that he's going to do that in the Derby or he might run into another, uh, race down the road. It's got 15, you know, 12 or 15 horses in it. And, you know, he might not like having, you know, a full field like that, but it was the experience of it and it earned him Derby points. He got 10 points for that win there. And then, um, back on the 5th, uh, uh of February this uh, year, we had, uh, um, the grade three, uh, weather stakes. Uh, you know, and that, that, that was a good horse. And the, um, uh, the Bob Lewis was a mile and a 16th. Uh, that was a mile and a 16th race. So we know that the, uh, Bob's horse can get two turns and it's a distance. So, you know, that was good in his favor and it was a light field. But, um, now we go to, uh, uh like I said, again, the Aqueduct racetrack on, on the fifth. 
um, it, it was a good race. It's a mile and an eighth on the dirt. Uh, it's quality horses. It's a derby point, um, you know, race that, uh, you, know, you, you just try and like heck to qualify your horse. And this was 11 horse field. And, um, it, it was excellent. Uh, the quality was there. It's a $250,000 added. And, um, this was a good race, uh, that, uh, I really enjoyed watching. Um, uh, early voting was the name of the horse that won it. Uh, Chad Brown won the race. Um, it was excellent. Uh, the horse ran very good. He was in hand. Th- he went three and four wide at, at the turn, and then he drew off at the end, and he went by four and a half lengths, and that was going a mile, uh, uh, going uh, a mile and, and an eighth. So now we know he can get two turns. So that that's pointing him in a good direction for the Derby, and he earned Derby points for that and everything. Um, then on the, the fifth, we had uh, the Holy Bull Stakes at Gulfstream Park. Um, you're, uh, talking about a mile and one sixteenth on the dirt. Uh, it was, it was a, a nice race. It's a grade three, uh, 250,000 added in a nine horse field. And, um, you know, I, I was really surprised in it. Um, uh, the horse that went, it was White Abario, uh, which is a Florida bred, uh, horse. Um, he's a fantastic, uh, into mis- into mischief horse. And just unbelievable. The breeder was spent through Florence. And, um, you know, they're doing very good at it. And, uh, and it was, uh, Joseph Jr. that was the trainer. And, uh, you know, it, it was a good race for him. Uh, he came out, he went by four and a half lengths and, uh, he got out to the lead and they just never could catch him. So, you know, that's another good experience. So the trainers and the owners picked the right uh, race there. Now, the next race that we're going to be looking at. Um, was also on uh, the uh, uh, 5th, and uh, it was um, the Claiborne uh, Farm Swale Stakes. Um, it was $100,000 added, and um, it was going seven furlongs. And with this race, uh, a lot of people have used this race before uh, to test and see how good their horses is. It's stepping up. But not like it, like you're jumping into, um, you know, the Withers or, or, you know, the Robert B. Lewis, that type of thing. Um, this is a good test. And what I like about it, it's on the 5th of February and you have the Fountain of Youth coming up at, and around the first week in March and then the Florida Derby at the end of March and, and everything. So, um, what I like about this is it kind of gives you room to go, but it puts you tight on Derby points. Uh, There's no derby points offered in, in the swale states. But if you did win the race, it gives you a shot to run two more races to get your derby points in before the 1st of May. Um, it was Mr. Prankster. Um, it was the horse that won the race. It was a Todd Pletcher horse. And Todd made the right move. He could have gone into uh, the Holy Bull, but it was a voted race. And I think that, uh, and who am I to say, but uh, Todd and, and the owner made the correct uh, decision to uh, run this horse and now they know what they have and he truly is on the on the road to to the kentucky derby so it's another way and you know of how they get there um the horse has proven to everybody that the horse can make that uh that step up in class and uh, you know who knows um you know we might see him the first saturday in may you know at churchill but the thing of it is now it's going seven furlongs we got to find out if he can make a mile on the 16th or a mile on an eighth and we got the Florida Derby. We got the um, Fountain of Youth. 
Uh, we had the Arkansas Derby, the Louisiana Derby, um, Santa Anita Derby. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of room for this horse to, you know, get, get his derby points. So it's looking pretty good for Todd and the connections to Prankster. Um, then, uh, this Saturday, um, on the 12th, another race that has derby points, uh, added to it. It is, um, called the Tampa Bay Downs. Um, um, the Tampa Bay Downs is called the Sam F. Davis. It's a grade three. Uh, it's a $250,000 added. And it's, uh, going, uh, to, uh, for three year olds, a mile and a sixteenth on the dirt and everything. So, uh, it, you know, it's good, but it's a 13 horse field. And let me tell you, my friend, this, this race is loaded. This race is loaded. I tell you what, any one of the 13 horses could walk away from here with, uh, you know, with, with the wind here. And, uh, I'm telling you, it sets them right up for the Tampa Bay Derby that's coming around uh, 30 days later. Or the Florida Derby, or the uh, or 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 the uh, um, uh, other races that might be uh, ready to go uh, for the Derby points. So you know, I, I'm kind of excited to race. Um, you know, there are a lot of uh, winners have come through there um, to to win uh, the Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, it, it's again, it's a trainer owner thing. You got to decide where you're going to go and how you're going to go with it. And uh, I tell you, you think, you know, I have a hard enough time figuring what time to eat and what time to go to bed, much less trying to figure out uh, um, what these, where these horses should go on the racing end of it. Maybe that's why when I was a trainer, I told my owners, I said, I can get seconds and thirds, but I can't train a rat to eat cheese and everything. So the trainer's job is very difficult because he's got to balance, um, you know, so many things. Uh, it all comes down on the trainer from the owners to the blacksmith to all the people that we were talking about and everything. And so, um, again, uh, at Golden Gate Field on the 12th um, of February is the El Camino Royal Derby. And um, it, it's, a, it's a nice race. Um, it's $100,000 added for um, three-year-olds. It's going a mile and eight on an all-weather track. And so that's that's different. Uh, it's kind of a cross between a turf track and and, and a dirt track. Uh, a lot of horses seem to run good off of it, and then other horses just, you know, they just uh, um, can't run on it. So you know, you, they they find out, you know, where it's going to be. But th- this is a nice um, eleven horse field. Uh, there's a couple standouts in it here. Doug and Neil has McKinnon uh, in it. Um, he's a nice horse. Uh, Bob Baffert has. Um, um, Black Aider, uh, uh, in there, uh, nice horse. Um, you know, uh, I'm just excited, uh, to see all these horses running. And, you know, the odd part about it is, is, um, that uh, every weekend we have these 11, 12, you know, uh, 10 horse fields, and about two thirds of them are going to be eliminated from the Derby. And it's kind of sad to see because, uh, you see them pop up again back in, uh, Monmouth Park in New York in the summertime, Saratoga, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but, you know, they just weren't ready for it yet. And you can't blame anybody for it. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, how you get them to get there, uh, how they get there and everything. So, uh, you know, it's tough and it changes every week. And then, um, there's one thing, boy, I say, uh, a lot, don't I? I guess so. Um, but the, the thing that I'm thinking here now is, um, 
now you get everybody together from the blacksmith and the uh, everybody involved with the horse, and you make the decision to run in the Kentucky Derby. And uh, that's a difficult decision to make because you've got to put a lot of money up up to uh, nominate the horse. You've got to put a lot of money in to uh, get the horse, you know, there training-wise. And, and, and another thing, you haven't even run the Kentucky Derby yet, and um, already this month um, we have to have uh, the deadline is for the Triple Crown to nominate them to the Preakness, the Breeders, uh, and the Belmont. So, you know, that's another decision that has to be made. And it's kind of hard to make a decision like that when you don't know um, how good your horse is going to be, uh, if he can get a mile and a quarter, if he can get a mile and an eighth at the Preakness or a mile and a quarter for the Derby or a mile and a half for the for the Triple Crown. Um, it, it's a whole different ball game then as far as training and everything is concerned. And, uh, you know, again, it's those decisions that have to be made. And um, the general public and most people just see at two and a half minutes in sports where the winner crosses the finish line, but they don't think of how they get there. And um, this is going to be a good documentary and a lot of good uh, video and interviews that, that we have coming up. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have it finished by uh, the end of end of March, uh, middle of April uh, to be broadcast on there. Now the road to the Kentucky Derby changes every week. And here's the point standings as of yesterday. We have um, – Papa Cap, uh, he, he's a very good horse trained by Mark Cassidy. He's at number one. He's got um, stakes earnings of $558,000, career earnings of $596,000. And then uh, we have um, uh, Epic Center, which is next. Uh, he's trained by Steve Ashmussen. Um, he has $100,000 in graded stakes money and uh, $170,000 in total earnings. That, that he has. Um, we have White Abario that just won here uh, recently at Gulfstream in the Holy Bull. Uh, he's trained by uh, Safi Ju- Joseph Jr. Uh, he's got 186000 in stakes money, 240000 in career earnings. And then M- McDonagall, um, he ran for Todd here this past week. Uh, he, he, he ran good, but he made a late run at him. And um, he, he's got $161,000 in earnings, uh, in stakes earnings, $221,000 in uh, total earnings. And then our fifth horse is uh, Rattle and Roll, Kenny McPeak. Um, he, he's a, a really good horse, and he's coming along. Um, he, he's got $300,000 in stakes earnings and $379,000 in total earnings. So... Uh, you know, it's a big decision that they're going to have to be making here soon. And, the, and one of the decisions that I have to make right now is to close out the show. And um, we hope everybody enjoyed the show. Thanks for struggling through with me. Uh, thanks to Debbie and Ralph for coming on board with us. And, uh, you know, we, we look forward to going out to Sunshine Metals and seeing uh, what they're doing. And I hope you come out and visit and see uh, the, the horses and, and see everything that day that they're painting. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, and uh, we'll have uh, derby results, we'll have show horse results, we'll have sale results, and uh, we'll have uh, a whole good show for you next week. Uh, This is Scott Miller, thanking all the equestrians of all disciplines from all around the world for joining us at the International Equine Report.